Welcome to My Life, Chassidah Supplied, episode 445, a post-Pesach edition. I hope everybody had a wonderful, transcendent, and meaningful Pesach, one that allowed us and empowered us to transcend and go beyond all our constraints and limitations, mitzarim v'gvulim, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, and all the blessings and uh, channels of blessings opened up to us, but continued to shower upon us throughout this month and throughout the entire year. So we'll talk about some Pesach items, discussing the fact that we're still in the glow of Pesach, and we're still in the month of Nisan, when we don't say Tachmun, the entire month, telling us that this month continues to be a very powerful month. And with other interesting topics that we shall address, some follow-ups, some new topics, and thank you again for all the questions that you keep presenting, which makes this show possible. ChassidahSupply.com is the place to submit any question anonymously, completely confidentially. Nothing is taboo, nothing is off-limits, everything can be asked. This program is in merit of Baruch Binyamin ben Menucha Lana and Miriam Baschayi Sarah Altoiz, Yukusil ben Leia Rochel and Rochel Basli Bafarkash, dedicated by Pinchas Todus ben Miriam and Sarah Bas Rochel Altoiz. If you'd like to dedicate a program, please go to chsidasupply.com and there's a special place where you can donate and dedicate to a loved one, memory of someone, a great way to associate and bring uh, great merits to whoever it is that you're honoring by bringing chassidus and teirah to so many thousands of people. So with that, let's talk about being that we're at the end of the month of Nisan, as we go from Pesach to the conclusion of the month. As I said, we don't say tachnun, which means that there's a particular energy in this month. The Rebbe would often say when tachnun is not said, doesn't mean that that which tachnun draws down, is not drawn down, it means it's accomplished without having to say tachnun. The time itself is a esrotzen, is an opportune time that gives us the ability to accomplish the same things without having to say those supplications. Which tells us that it's a time of joy, it continues to be a time of joy because the power of Pesach continues, the power of the month of Nisan, which also comes from the word nis, nes, nisin, nisin, miracles, the month of miracles, as Chassidus brings from the Akedis Yitzchak, a time when we have the ability to go outside of and suspend the very laws of nature, which really means the divine energy is always there. But sometimes the divine energy is more manifest in the garments of nature, sometimes in the garments of that which is beyond nature, to see the extraordinary within the ordinary. And allow us to reveal our extraordinary component within our ordinary lives. We want to maintain and continue our routines, but we want it to be enhanced and infused with something deeper and greater. And that's what this month of Nisan provides, especially after the seven, eight days of Pesach, where we accomplish so much in allowing that power of, as I mentioned before, to go out of our limitations by going which means to leap over mountains and over hills, over all the challenges and obstacles, and even if the challenges and obstacles are holy ones, to go beyond our normal routines, to be able to go to greater and, and, and more powerful places. And especially to deal with anything that may be something that's an actual obstacle, doesn't allow us to accomplish what we're capable of accomplishing. That's the power of the time that we are in right now. So as we come from Pesach, there are some topics I would like to address that, um, that, we, that we were unable to discuss because of time limits before Pesach, continuing, since, as I said, we're coming from the days of Pesach, literally. Last Thursday, Pesach ended. We're now Sunday, coming right out of uh, Shabbos, Shabbos that elevates the entire Pesach. So let's begin with a number of questions regarding that, especially regarding the later days of Pesach, and it remains relevant in our personal lives, as the title of this program is Chassidus Applied, My Life Chassidus Applied, Applying Chassidus, Applying Teda to our daily lives, to all the issues that we deal with on a daily basis, on an ongoing basis, and even on a uh, not such an ongoing basis. So, first question, why don't we say a version of Allah Nisim on Pesach? 
We say Allah Nisam on Purim Hanukkah to commemorate and give thanks for the miracles Hashem made to protect and save us. But has there ever been discussion among Chazal that perhaps we should also say a version of Allah Nisam on Pesach? After all, the miracles of Pesach, including the splitting of the sea of reeds, or is even greater and more supernatural than the miracles of Purim and Hanukkah, which seemingly came through the natural order of the world, especially Purim. Well, I think the answer is quite obvious. Remember that Purim and Hanukkah are both Midrabonon, Medivrei Sofrim. They came later. They're not mitzvahs sanctioned in the Torah itself. Pesach is not only a mitzvah, it's one of the most primary mitzvahs and central mitzvahs. The whole Pesach is all about Nisim, and we have a whole Seder and Haggadah where we honor those Nisim. It's not about saying the words Allah Nisim. Purim and Hanukkah, you need specifically some way to recognize, so that's why the Chazal, our sages, instituted those prayers. But Pesach, besides the prayers that we say during davening, and we have an entire Seder, the whole Seder is Nisim. We say Hallel. In addition to how so many different ways that we acknowledge these nisim. So it's Bechal Masayim on it. You don't need to have a special prayer that says, and by the, by the way, there are also miracles. Not to suggest by Purim and Hanukkah is by the way, but it's a Shemineser, where you don't have a Zman Chedusenu that you say. It's not a Yomt of Davening. It's a regular Davening. In the Davening, we had an Allah Nisim, or in Benching. But when it comes to Purim, when it comes to Pesach, the whole Pesach is that. The Tfilis are everywhere filled with references, and especially, as I said, the Seder itself is all Allah Nisim, due to the Nisim. And how many times do we mention that? So in a way, if you would add Allah Nisim, it would be almost like Shraga Betira, like a, like a candle in the light of the sun. That's the basic answer for it. And uh, I think that suffices. Next question. There's a Rashi that says, which comes from Medrash, that during the Makkah of the darkness, Makkah's Cheshach, for the Egyptians, simultaneously there was a plague that affected the Jews who, like, who liked the Egyptian culture and preferred to stay instead of going to Israel. And four-fifths of the Jewish nation were killed during that Makkah's Cheshach. How do we reconcile this with what we are taught that we've le- we left Egypt after sinking to the 49th level of impurity? And if we had sunk to the 50th level, it would be past the point of no return and it would have been not been possible to be redeemed. If we were only at the 49th level, then those who died in this plague were still redeemable and should have been redeemed too. Another related question. Hi, Rabbi Jacobson. I've been repeatedly been told when Mashiach comes, all Jews will be taken to redemption, unlike Ulus Mitzrayim, where most Jews died during Makas Cheshach, the plague of darkness. I've also heard that a lot of Jews will be punished during the 15 days of darkness, similar to the plague of darkness, before the final redemption. Why are there opposite opinions regarding this prophecy? Thank you. So let me begin with this. I discussed this at length, also including a sikha from the Fridic Rebbe about this in episode 349. Being I don't want to review everything I said then, I refer you there and go to chassidahsupply.com. You can just type in episode 349 or just 349 and you'll find it. It's elaborated. There are also timestamps there so you can go directly to that topic. Just briefly we'll say this regarding the first question. That there were levels. All the Jews were consumed by Ervis audits by this depraved and decadent land of Egypt, and it affected them. Like you mentioned, the 49 gates of impurity. And had they stayed longer, yes, the toxins would have been too powerful, God forbid, but that was not the case, so they barely got out. And that's why as soon as the time came, immediately they left. There were Jews, unfortunately. Can't even call them necessarily Jews, because remember, the people didn't become yet formally Jewish, but there were those that simply rejected Ku'ula. They themselves pulled themselves out of it. And in order not to embarrass the Jewish people, God made a plague that they would die in that darkness. And no one saw it. This is, of course, the question, what do you mean afterwards? You'd see how many people had died. So I discussed this all in episode 349. And as I said, to save time, I am su- suggesting 
If anyone is interested to go there to that program where I discuss it more in detail. Also discuss the difference between Yitzis Mitzrayim and the Gula Asida, where in the future, Layidach Bemenu Nidach, and every Jew will be taken out of Golas, Atam Tluktul Echod Echod, discussing the differences, because at the end of the day, a Jew, because of the soul, no matter what, how he behaves, at the end of the day, there's that connection that he has. Whereas in Mitzrayim, that connection was not yet established quite the same way. The Jews had not yet become formally a Jewish people until Matan Teda. That's why they needed to go through conversion. So though it's sad to hear that children of Avram Yitzhak Yankov and Sarah Rivka Rachel Balei did not want to go out of Mitzrayim, but there was a, there was a, uh, a toll taken through that deep gullus that affected many people. The positive side of it is that we all have in us difficult and dark moments, but there's a spark, there's a divine light. So it says, when the Now for the Jews, there was light. Light means not just physical light. That was for sure the case, but also a spiritual light. And that's what the Torah emphasizes, the light within us, that even when it was dark, and even there were people that had fallen and had refused to want to leave Egypt, and that goal is wanted to stay in Mitzvah Look how tragic that can be. A person wants to stay in a toxic state, wants to stay in a, in a state of, um, of, of displacement, of spiritual displacement. Nevertheless, in our in our dwelling places, in our homes, the place where we create a certain integration, there's light. Like it says by Moshe, when Moshe was born, there was light that filled his home, and light that filled the world. Okay, so episode 349 for more details on that subject. So more follow-up. <clears throat> we are taught that when we fled the Egyptians and came to the Red Sea, or sometimes referred to as the Reed Sea, we split into four camps. One said, let's jump in the sea. One said, let's go back to Egypt. One said, let's fight the Egyptians. And the last group said, let's pray to Hashem to help us. And Moshe Rabbeinu rejected all four ideas. And when Hashem said to him, Vayusohu, the approach is, move forward, travel forward, forge ahead. My question is, it's understandable why Moshe rejected the first three ideas. But why would he reject the idea of praying to Hashem? What can ever be wrong with asking Hashem for help? What is the lesson here? So firstly, let's make this clear. All four were rejected. That doesn't mean they don't have merit. There are times you do have to fight. There are times that you do have to compromise. What it means is that none of them was an entire solution. That's not the solution. And especially you can get into a debate and argument and forever, and forever be paralyzed in which way to go. And by your soul is the ultimate answer. You don't want to become a warrior all your life. That's for sure not an approach. At times, we do have to fight. But here, that's not the, our mission is to be warriors. To surrender to Egypt is definitely not an option. That doesn't mean at times we do have to find a way to deal with situations don't have to go to war. Prayer, of course, is a component. But it cannot be the sole component. When Yaakov Avinu prepared to meet Esau, he prepared prayer. He prepared for war, and he prepared an appeasement, a bribe. Thank God the prayer and the, and the appeasement worked. But he didn't just pray. Friedrich Rebbe has a famous expression, the end of Mesech Seita, which we learn in the 49 days, the 49 pages of Mesech Seita we learn between Pesach and Shavuos. So Friedrich Rebbe says, the end of the Mesech, we know there's the simonim of Ikvis of the Meshich, the end of days, before Mashiach comes, will be difficult times. Different the negative signs. And then it says, at the end of it, that the people will say, we have no one to rely on but God himself. So most people interpret that after all the negative signs, the Gemara is telling us a positive ending. That we have no one to rely on but God. Because we will be in a weakened state. Says the Fritik but no, that's also one of the signs. That instead of doing something to bring the gulat, instead of doing something to move it forward by your soul, Friedrich Rebbe doesn't say that word there, but the idea, people will say, we'll throw up our hands like victims. 
We have no one to rely on but God. That's also one of the negative things. So prayer is a piece of a puzzle. We pray. And we know that God's blessing is what makes us wealthy and blesses us. God's blessings dwell on a container. You need to make a You need to make a container. So just to escape into prayer, that's why Moshe responds, you be quiet. Hashem will fight for you. You don't go to war. And the same with the other two responses to the other two camps. By your soul, move forward. Don't just stand and pray. Of course they prayed. But that's not the solution to the situation. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Move forward by your soul. I told you, go to mountain Tahar Sinai. I'm going to give you the Torah. Go to the promised land. There it's Israel. These were God's promises. And what happens? You move forward. The sea parted. That's the bottom line. So God's prayers, God's prayers to God, God's answers to our prayers come through Levush Yateva. He gives us seichel, he gives us intelligence, gives us feelings, emotions, gives us resources, tools, faculties. That's the answer of, to God, from God to our prayers. Is, so we have to use those tools. And that's the key thing to emphasize. And that's the lesson here. Okay. What is the source of the custom to have Mashiach Suda on the eighth day of Pesach? What is special about the eighth day that connects it to Mashiach? So we know the source of the custom is the Baal Shem Tov, who at that time, only Yechidah's Gula, only individuals, select individuals knew about it, that before the Yontav ended, he would wash. It was called Sudas Mashiach. Now, the source. Everyone, every Jew says in the Haftarah, on Achrusha Pesach, the Haftarah of Yeshaya, about Mashiach. So the day is connected to Mashiach. It's the end of Mitzrayim. Yitzis Mitzrayim. Kimei Tzeischa. Meretz Mitzrayim. Arenen Reflex. What's the conclusion of Gulas Mitzrayim? Is Gula Asidah. So it makes sense that the eighth day of Pesach is dedicated to that. Like we Nahagodah. We start with the Gula, the first Gula, but at least to the final Gula. Which is the conclusion of Reish Kol HaGulas or Reish Kol HaGolias is Mitzrayim. The end of it is the Gula Asidah, the future redemption. Moshe, the first redeemer, he's the, the, the final redeemer. So we see the correlation between the two. The Baal Shem Tev instituted the custom of Mesudas Mashiach. Washing, eating matzah. Later the Rebbe Rashab in Tafri Samachvov, he instituted the custom also of drinking the four cups of wine. And the Fabring that we all witnessed year after year, the Rebbe Sudas Mashiach, one of the most amazing events of the year. The connection to eight, the Rebbe says a number of sikhs. We know eight is connected to Gula. Seven, as the Rajbo says, Tshuva Sarajbo, Chesidah cites, is connected to the cycle of time, seven days of the week. Like the clay yoker brings in Parshashmini, the eighth is the transcendent, Shemir Esahekef, in the words of the Rajbo. It protects, it hovers over, it transcends the seven. That's what number eight is about. That's why a bris is an eight. There's a maimer lam natseich al ashminis, eighth. That the Alter Rebbe in the Teir and Sazria, we discusses at length how eight. That's why there'll be a kinner shal shmeinanimin, a harp of seven chords, not of eight chords, not not seven chords, because eight represents that transcendent energy that goes outside of the structure, and that's why the eighth day of Pesach is the day when makes with this Mashiach. That's the brief explanation. Okay. Next question, also about Masudas Mashiach. What is the difference between the Malava Malka we have every Mitzray Shabbos called Sudasa the David Malka Mashiach, the meal of David King Mashiach, which is called Sudas David Malka Mashiach, and the eighth day of Pesach, what's the difference between that and the eighth day of Pesach, special meal, which is called Mashiach Sudah? So indeed, we have a beautiful sikha from the Rebbe, Tov Shem Ches, 1988. It's printed in Sefer HaSichas Tov Shem Ches, at Achor Shapesach Sikha. The Rebbe asks exactly this question and shows the differences. First in the name, one is called David Malkam Yisudas, David Malkam Yisudas, one is called Sudas Mashiach. The time, one is every Saturday night after Shabbos. Pesach only once a year, the end of Pesach. One follows the three meals, the Gimel Sudas, the Shalosh Sudas of Shabbos, 
and one is a meal of its own. And other differences. And the Rebbe briefly explains it, a beautiful sikh, worthwhile looking into, based on a Gemara where it talks about Keser or Palge Keser, that Dovid and Mashiach, though they're connected, Dovid, Malka, Mashiach, and Mashiach comes from Beis Dovid, but there's a significant difference. With Mashiach introducing the number eight, introducing the supernatural, introducing a helokuz that's higher than existence, and transforming the world. Whereas Dovid is more connected to the natural order of bringing and revealing the divine in the natural order. And with that, the Rebbe explains all the differences that we just mentioned. So Shabbos, even though Shabbos is, is higher than the six days, but it's still part of the cycle of seven, the cycle of time, the elevation of it all. And that's why it comes after the three meals, because it's connected to the order of existence. So this Mashiach, Anachon Shepesach, is of a different order. Dovid, Dovid Mashiach is through the lens of Dovid. Mashiach is the pure Mashiach in the sense that has the entire, all-encompassing, also the levels that are higher than Hishtashos, that transform the world. So Dosu Dovid Malka Mashiach, Malava Malka is in Shulchan so this Mashiach, that the Balshamtav Institute is a minig Yisrael, a minig has a root even higher than something that's in halacha, as he explains there, example of Simchas So check out that Sikhir, he explains it at length, understanding the full difference between the two, with the main emphasis there being the idea that Mashiach introduces a whole new dimension of energy, even beyond Dovid Malka Mashiach, and transforms the very world, which is the whole purpose of Geula, transforming the entire existence and forever and ever, not just on a temporary basis, but permanently. Okay. On the last day of Pesach, during the Mashiach Suda, a rabbi gave a great explanation for the purpose of the meal, based on the Rebbe's teachings. He said, Everything, he said, every day we think about Mashiach, but if we make a special meal, and through the physical acts of eating, we bring the concept of Mashiach from a spiritual idea into the physical realm, and therefore make the coming of Mashiach more apparent to the, in the physical world. My question for Rabbi Jacobson is, in what other areas of our daily lives can we bring down spiritual blessings into the physical world by doing a physical act? Perhaps there are many blessings available in the spiritual world, but we have to do a physical act to draw those blessings into our reality. Would it be a good idea for a couple having difficulties having children to do a physical act to draw down extra blessings? Perhaps going to the store and buying a baby crib? Or can the couple make a special meal with Vartetus and turn it into a Sudas Mitzvah and call it a celebration for the imminent arrival of a healthy child? Okay. So good, a very nice summation, correct? Mashiach Sud is not just animamin, I believe, with complete faith. It's not just a, something we think about or say or sing. An actual meal, we wash to the meal. As Rebbe Marash says, eating matzah is like eating a lakus. But here it's eating it like the Rebbe explained a number of times on Sudas Mashiach, that it's like a physical meal that manifests Mashiach in a very physical way. In response to your question, absolutely the whole purpose of life of making a diribetachtenim, of transforming this world into a divine home, is to draw down a lukus, godliness, a spiritual energy, ruchnis, into gashmis. Indeed, that was the whole purpose of Matan Teda, which is Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, Pesach is an introduction to, which is to remove the gzeda, the schism, and the decree that separated heaven and earth. So we can transform the physical world into a spiritual environment, connecting matter and energy, or matter and, uh, and spirit, and spirituality. And indeed, as I mentioned before with Baruchas, that even though Hashem blesses, but we make Baruch Hashem Al-Kecha B'chol we make a keli. So the idea of the idea of making a physical kalium to draw down Mashiach is definitely a lesson in everything in life. And the Rebbe Taka has in letters for women and men, fathers and mothers, of difficulty having children, that they should make a keli. In one case, the Rebbe writes, open up a camp for children, give tzedakah for education of children, do something that creates a keli in your life. I don't know if a baby crib goes into that category, that, ask your mashpia or your rov, but there's no question that we do things that are fitting to the bracha we want. You want something, you make a keli for it. And that definitely increases the possibility of the drawing down that blessing or revealing that blessing in our lives.
So the answer is that absolutely, uh, everything in our daily lives, we can make a keli, a physical container, through physical actions and deeds, to draw down the blessings that are fitting. And midah keneged midah, the thing you do in turn, Hashem responds in kind. Similar to when we say, When you pray for a person, a friend, who has a certain need, God will answer you and your need, that same need, before he answers the other person. Because you made a keli, you cared for another, you showed empathy, and God shows empathy to you. That's a fundamental principle in Yiddishkeit. Okay. So let's do now a follow-up, which is also about Pesach. Spoke about, did the Jews build the pyramids? So in episode 444, which was the week before Pesach, the Sunday before Pesach. So I pointed out that today's studies show that the pyramids were built earlier. It's not through the Jews. And yet I did say that could be there's something from the Rebbe that I've not seen. And yes, indeed. Thank you. So I wrote exactly that. That in the Sikha of Nosei Tovshim Hey, it was Yud Bey's Sivan, Nosei Tovshim Hey, 5745, that would be 1985. The Rebbe said that they didn't build the pyramids. I think if I recall correctly, it says Mezokt. The Rebbe didn't quote necessarily a source, but Mezokt. Now, could this mean that are these the pyramids that we see? Is it part of the pyramid? Did they build some pyramids and others built others? But there is a Sikha that says that. And uh, so you can look it up in Pasha Nosei, again, Shabbos Pasha Nosei, Yudbe Sivan Tovshim Memhei. Okay, thank you for that. I don't see a contradiction, as I said. We can understand it in different ways. And I don't know if the Rebbe said it as a definitive. He said it, that's, that, that it said so, but the Rebbe definitely gives it credence. And therefore, there is that source. Okay. Next question, and that is, how exactly does the redemption from slavery in Egypt over 3,000 years ago, to be exact, 3,335 years ago, help us today to climb out of physical boundaries and limitations and become better people? Well, I discussed this at length in episode 444 pre-Pesach, Essentially, when we say that in every generation a person has to perceive himself as if he's leaving Mitzrayim, and the Rebbe adds every day, is telling us something. That Mitzrayim is not just a one-time event, that it's something we recreate in our own lives, and that the first Mitzrayim gave power, meaning the first time we left Mitzrayim gives power in all our Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in every possible way. The morale of course, really drives the point home by saying that by Yitzhiz Mitzam was a pool in Imshachas. It had perpetual effect. That after that, the Jews could never be enslaved again. It gave them the tchuna, the personality of free people. That you are my servants, God's servants, not servants to my servants. So it changed them as human beings. That affects us till this very day. And you add into the equation the understanding of Chassidus, that all the events that tater are events that perpetually happen spiritually. So we have Yitzhiz Mitzrayim B'chol Yem, literally. We see it, we say it in many tefillahs, many mitzvahs that are Zechli Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, and of course Pesach itself, and the Seder. So it's actually giving us energy. It's the same idea that Rosh Hashanah gives us the power of renewal. Because Hayom Meil in the Skarim Vernasim, time is a spiral, so whatever happened the first time, that energy repeats itself every year during that time on a new axis, in a new dimension. That's the dynamics of how it works. We have to make the keli. So indeed, when Pesach comes, a new window of opportunity opens up. Like every day, like even your birthday. The energy of your day when you were born, Mazoli gave it every year that same day. That's how it works. That's how, that, so what we have to do is open ourselves up and prepare ourselves and do whatever you can. Know that this energy is there. Make the keli, as I discussed earlier. And that draws down the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Geuladik energy that is in the air, Pesach, and continues the days after Pesach as well. What are the four levels or stages of Geula, someone asks. This corresponds to the four Lashenas of Geula, why we drink the four cups. The Rebbe once said there's a fifth stage. 
Yes, because there's a fifth expression, which some say is the fifth cost, chus chamishi. There's opinions in that case, is in another cup. Corresponding to the four expressions and then the fifth one. So Chassidus explains the difference between the four stages of the four dimensions of Gula and the fifth. To give you an easy resource, go to MeaningfulLife.com and just look up four expressions of Gula. It's a whole article that talks about it in detail. I'm not repeating it all here because, again, I want to save time because there's so many questions. But you can find it there in elaborate detail what exactly they are. And it's really stages of our own going out of Golas. So first we still feel Golas, and then but we're starting to feel freedom. Then there's a deeper freedom, and deeper until we completely free ourselves. And not just free ourselves, but are ready to be absorbed and elevate into the next level of Avesi as we go into Eretz Yisrael, as we're brought to Eretz Yisrael, which is the highest level of Geula. Of course, it corresponds to the five levels of the soul. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. So the first four is Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, biological freedom of the Nefesh, emotional freedom of uh, Ruach, intellectual freedom of Neshama, transcendent freedom of Chaya, and Vevesi is that extra fifth, is Yechida reaching the deepest level of the soul. Again, go to MeaningfulLife.com and you can see a detailed explanation of these five, four or five levels. And one more question regarding Pesach. Just like the Ashkenazi rabbis, why can't rabbis today undo the ruling about Kitnius on Pesach? Just like the Ashkenazi rabbis made a ruling a long time ago, this basically begins the 11th century and on, banning eating Kitnius on Pesach, which literally means legumes or beans, including rice and other forms, this is a discussion what exactly are Kitnius. Can a group of rabbis today get together and make a new ruling saying, because we have a better understanding of science and the world, we now can accurately conclude that corn and legumes are okay to eat and do not violate halachas of Pesach? Or by exploring this idea, do we run the risk of losing the potato on Pesach because they can, be, they can rule potato starch makes foods that look like chametz? Okay, so this has been discussed at length by many Rabbanim. Rabbi Moshe deals with Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and others. Firstly, it's not so simple because you don't want to overturn a precedent that was not done just recently, but by Rishenim and very early great sages, because there's also the spiritual aspect of it, that once Jews accept something, there's a certain power that it has. It's not just purely, the, even though the reasons were given for it, and the reasons may not always apply. Secondly, remember, kidneys is not chomets. Sfardim did not accept that they go by the Ramah, not the, by Siyosav rather, not like the Ramah. And some Sfardim continue to use kidneys. So we see from that that it's not just a matter of the reasoning, different customs evolved. And that's the first reason Rabbanim are going to be very low, even though you could identify. You could today, I mean, not just today, in general, there's ways to identify. The question, the issue of today using all kinds of ingredients that looks mamish like chametz, is another discussion that's being discussed. And many rabbis, as long as it was not going to the classification that anyone ever made an Yisur on, they don't want to make a new Yisurim. So just like they don't want to overturn something from the past, they also don't want to make new prohibitions. Now what people do individually, everyone has a right to do as we see fit. comes to Pesach, chumras are considered. We don't say, over. some people are very, very machmer. They're very strict. Tovelei and brachet. God bless them. So that's already individual decisions. But to make a ruling that's going to affect a whole community, or many communities, that's something that in general Rabbanim stay away from, unless there's no choice, or there's a real sakana, a real danger, or there's some real issues that have come up. That's generally the attitude. But for more details, you have to ask your local competent and authoritative rabbi that knows halacha and knows this given situation in every particular circumstance. Because the kidneys, for example, there's kidneys itself, there's derivatives of kidneys. There's all kinds of aspects to it. It's more complicated than the, than the scope of this particular program right now. Okay. Above all, remember this. There are many things we do that are clearly specifically stated in the Torah. Other things that were accepted upon over time that Jews accepted. 
Once it becomes part of that I mentioned before, Mini Yisrael, that's also part of our relationship with God. So even if it's a Mini Yisrael, the Rebbe once gave a beautiful explanation, the difference between the written mitzvah, meaning something written in the written Torah, Torah Shabbat Sava, mitzvah of the Raisa, the Rabbonon, and the oral Torah, from the Rabbon, from Divrei Sofrim, and the Minig Yisrael. Now, there are three levels of bitl, or three levels of love. One is, when you love someone, you do something, if they ask you to do it, even if it's inconvenient or it's difficult, you do it. Yeah, that's the commitment. The second level, even if they don't ask you, but they hint to it, they allude to it, you also do it. So you don't make believe you didn't hear the hint. You, you do it because of the deep love. That's even a deeper love. You're not waiting, you don't have to hear it specifically. It's alluded to. And the third, the deepest level of bitl, of love, is when you anticipate what your beloved would enjoy. They didn't ask you for it. They didn't allude to it. It's a complete surprise, completely initiated by the, the, by, by the one who, the person, to do something for their beloved. The written teda is God is asking us. We do it, whether it's easy or not. Oral Torah, lekemidah delera mizabaraisa, it's merumas. It's hinted to, alluded to in the Torah. Things like Purim, Hanukkah. And a mini Yisrael, something doesn't say anywhere. Simchas Torah is the, a classic example. Jews anticipated what would give God joy. Nachas. And they went and did it. And that's why mini Yisrael Torah, that's why when we dance more than ever, a Simchas Torah. So never dismiss a mini Yisrael. So from a purely halachic, legal perspective. Obviously, a written law, a teir from the written teir. A law in the written teir is stronger than a law in the divrei sof. But you say, chvivna lai divrei sofrim. It's more precious. A lie. Halachically, a written mitzvah, a mitzvah written in the written teir is obviously the strongest. But there's a certain chvivna, a certain preciousness and value that we cherish when we do something that's not exactly written, it's hinted to. And even more so, a mini gisrael. And that's also part of how we look. We're not just looking to cut corners and say, oh, you know what? That, that custom is not necessary anymore. It was never, in the first place, something written. And when you love someone, you don't look to minimize, you look to maximize the relationship. You constantly look to anticipate, to do things beyond the letter of the law. And that itself becomes Meshur Sadin, like we say about Hanukkah. Mahadrin min amahadrin became... Minik Pasha, this is now the custom. Everyone lights individually and writes all lights, all eight candles, every day all the way up to eight candles. Even though once it was just a custom. And it was only Mahadr Minna Mahadr. Not the lighting of Hanukkah was a custom. The Mahadr Minna Mahadr was a custom, was a Mahadr. was an extra measure. Today that became the regular custom. That's what you do when you love someone. You don't look to find how do I cut corner, how do I minimize, you look how to maximize. Okay. Being that this week is also Chof Ches Nissen, coming up on Wednesday, 32 years from that classic Sikha where the Rebbe spoke, I did everything I can, two thousand can do everything you can to bring the Mashiach in Gula, and the Gula is not yet fully manifested, as we know. We can't focus on the sadness of why not. We have to focus what we have not done yet. In many ways, I like to believe that this program, many of the programs that I'm involved in, and I hope so many others are involved in on their level, is going in that direction. The most specific way, the literal way of what we do to bring Mashiach, says Mashiach himself told the Baal Shemta when he asked, when will the Master come? And he said, when your wellsprings of of Chsidis will spread outward, as the Rebbe adds, outward means to the farthest outskirts. That's when I will come. What is the most direct way to bring Gula Mashiach is to bring to every corner of the world. God should have mercy and compassion and finally bring the Gula even if we don't do everything we have to do. Even if we don't reach every one of the 8 billion people on this planet. But we have to continuously do everything we can. So when it comes to the 28th of Nisan, to me, it's very straightforward. Last year was last year. Two years ago was two years ago. Now it's 32 years from that sicha. We have to look forward. The only thing we can learn from the past is learn what we didn't do yet. 
For me personally, I would say, if I can, this program can reach millions, if not billions of people, I know at least I tried. It's not there yet, with all due respect to us. But the same thing with every Yerfutz, I'm speaking personally because I want to focus on myself. What you have to do is in your own way, your sphere of influence, wherever you are, you have to find the language. And I'm not just saying saying words, explaining what it's like. Like someone asked the question, I want to address that, and maybe it's the most important question of all. What will the world look like when Mashiach comes? So maybe that's the most important question to ask when we talk about Chavches Nis. How could you do some, accomplish something if you don't know how to dream about it? What does it look like? What will your life look like? What will your home look like? What will your street look like? So have I discussed, as I have discussed a number of times, that we have to find ways to envision it. I often give two examples, and I'll give them here as well. One is that famous letter of the Rebbe. Well, I hope it's famous. To a dry cleaner, someone who owned the cleaners. Think of the letters in Tafshiyut Gimel. In the early years, everything's a lesson in life. As the Baal Shem Tev teaches, what's the lesson from cleaners? And the Rebbe says briefly, cleaners teach us that you wear a garment, you buy a new garment, you wear it once, twice, three times, it gets soiled, stained, wrinkled. So you think you have to throw it out at some point. No, you bring it to cleaners, they wash it in water, warm water, mix chemicals into it to get rid of the stains, and then put it under a heavy press, press it, and you have foil, a fresh garment. And you could repeat the process many times. The soul we were given, that was given me, is that Tahir is pure, like a pure garment. But then life takes over. Disappointments, pain, suffering, that wrinkles, stains, soils. So we could think, okay, it's a one-way street. There's no way to redeem. No. Immerse the neshama in teira, in mayim elateira, into water. And not just warm, cold, water, cold water, but warm water. That's passionate. Vanam kite. And mix chemicals. Each mitzvah is another chemical that gets rid of stains and wrinkles. And then put it under Kabbalah sale, a heavy press, and the sham is fresh and new. And you can repeat this your whole lifetime. So besides the lesson, a beautiful lesson, after I read that letter, I remember walking in my community in Crown Heights, and I was walking up Kingston Avenue, I see a dry cleaners. So usually you don't even notice it unless you need to bring your clothing there. But I remember the letter. I never looked at a dry cleaners the same way. The Rebbe did what? He put the aleph of alufish lelem, of godliness, of Hashem Echad, into Gela. Golis is just looking at a dry cleaner's face value. Gula is seeing the godliness within it. What's the lesson? The lesson, every time you look at a dry cleaner's, you think about it. It's a lesson about refreshing your own life, a renewing, experience renewal in your own life. And the same thing you could say we're looking at a pizza shop and looking at an ice cream shop and looking at a grocery store and looking at every store. And for that matter, every bird and every blade of grass and the sky and the earth and everything you see, every industry. On surface level, it is what it is. But Mat Mashiach says that The business of the world will be what? Nothing but to know God. This means there'll be business of the world, but it won't be an end in itself, the material world. From my flesh, I behold God. In all my ways, I know God. You look at the stars, you look at the sun, the moon, everything, science, and you see it all as a lesson teaching us about godliness. To the point that filling the world with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. The second story is I spoke once at a medical conference, not as a doctor. They wanted to hear a, a view, a spiritual view on the future of medicine according to Judaism. So I spoke about that death and diseases is a, an aberration. It's not natural. Had Adam and Eve not eaten from the tree of knowledge, there would be no death. Why? Because why would a soul and body have to separate? Soul has infinite amount of, of energy and fuel. It's because the body has been punctured. The body has worn down like an appliance. But Mashiach comes after all the work we do in filling the punctures, tikkun alam, repairing, aligning ourselves and the world around us toward what God wants. So then the machine, the appliance, the container is fixed and therefore it can contain divine energy seamlessly 
and you will no longer have disease or illness and death. So a doctor asked me the question, one of the heads of the conference got up and said, and asked me a question. He said, if that's the case, what will happen to us doctors? Who will need us? So after the prerequisite joke, that maybe that's why they charge, doctors charge such a high price for a long retirement, I responded, what do you mean? You'll be doing the most beautiful thing of all. Instead of fighting the pain of illness and disease and death, because of your intimate knowledge of human anatomy and biology and chemistry, the human body, you can teach us of the divine secrets that are embedded in the body. From my flesh I behold God. Every human being was created in a divine image. And as such, you'll teach us these secrets. As astronomers will teach us about the cosmos. And as a physicist will teach us about physics. And computer programs about compu- through, through computers. And dry cleaners through cleaners. These are examples. We have to train ourselves and our children. Envision Gu'ula. In a real basic way, what will your morning look like? What will your breakfast look like? What will your day look like? What will your school look like? What will your room look like? When you start envisioning it, then you could say, let me make do something now that will align my life as it is right now with what a gorilla life is like. Each one of us does this so we know one action, one good act, one good word, one good thought can tip the scales and bring true of our solar salvation and redemption to us and to the entire world as the Rambam rules. So, with that, let us talk about a few things about Chofches Nissen. Hello, Rabbi Jacobson. One of the most annoying things during a family road trip is the kids that keep on screaming, are we there yet? When we keep asking Hashem to send Mashiach, are we subconsciously expressing a lack of faith and trust in God's plan and that God has a plan to send Mashiach at the proper time that he determined? Are we like the kids in the backseat that keep screaming, are we there yet? Or as another person writes it, when we declare that we want Mashiach now, is that a lack of faith in God's plan to send Mashiach in the time he chooses? The exact opposite. And the Rebbe makes it clear. That when we expect it and we demand it and we await it actively, that actually speeds it up. That's what Hashem wants. He created a partner in us. We're not just sitting on the sidelines waiting for the Gula to come. Alter Rebbe writes in the beginning of Perek Lamed Zion, chapter 37 in Tanya, Gula is Gilea Lekus in this world. And that's why it's Tali Bamasein of Avedesein. It's Tali in our work and our efforts and our Aveda. Not as a Zgula. Because when we do work, when we bring godliness into our corner of the world, into our lives, we're revealing God in our lives. That is a taste of gula. And when that accumulates, you have the building blocks of cold gula. So we're partners in it. Part of the partnership is nachaka, not just, and to await, not just to believe, to actively await and do whatever we can to bring it. That's what God says. That would be like saying, don't daven to Hashem because, what? Because Hashem knows it's a lack of faith. The opposite. Faith in God means pray to Him. And ask him to change the course of destiny even, if need be. So it's the exact opposite. Another person asks, will we still have alternate side parking in Crown Heights and other communities when Mashiach comes? My question is, 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 is meant to be humorous, but the serious question is when Mashiach comes, will our daily burdens be eased so we can dedicate more time to spiritual matters? The answer is absolutely yes. I just described it before. Okay, talk about the alternate state parking, parking thing. If it's being used in an ethical way is one thing. If it's being used just as a, of, of, of the city making money or whatever they're trying to do with it is another story. I don't want to go there. The point I want to make is that it's important to visualize how life will be. It's a very good question. We want to talk about alternate state side, alternate side parking but also other matters, and bring the Aleph of Gu'ula, the Aleph of Aluf HaShalelem, and Tegela, that's how you reveal Gu'ula. So, will burdens be eased? There's no question. It says, Madanim Mitzim Ka'afar, Mitzuim Ka'afar. The lights will be as plentiful like dust, so we don't have to pursue that. 
and dedicate our time, like it says, as I mentioned before from the Rambam. So we'll be, yes, our entire time will be dedicated to taking the material world and see it not as an end to itself, but as a means to divine and spiritual matters, divine knowledge. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, firstly, may God bless your parents for creating you and raising you right and giving you the tools to make these amazing Torah programs every week. Thank you. Will the firstborns become kahanim? I was taught in yeshiva that when Mashiach comes, firstborns will become kahanim. I also remember the Rebbe saying that Mashiach is already here. All we need to do is open our eyes and greet him. Therefore, as a firstborn, serving as a theoretical kohen in the Messianic era, and who will soon serve as a physical kohen in the third base of Midrash, I would like to flex my newly acquired kohanic powers of being a conduit for God's blessings and giving blessings to the community. And the writer continues to write, Yivarecha Hashem Vishmerecha, Yer Hashem Pano Velech Vichoneke, Yusa Hashem Pano Velecha Vyosem Lachoshalam. Amen. And additionally, may God Almighty bless the Jewish nation collectively and individually from his open hands of chesed. May, receive, may we receive these blessings in a revealed manner with unbridled joy. May everyone, animal, and may every tree, animal, stone, and inanimate object that ever witnessed a mitzvah in the physical world testify triumphantly triumphantly before the crown of the highest level of godliness that we deserve these blessings. Just as we left Egypt with tremendous physical wealth, so too we should exit this goal with tremendous physical wealth. And since we are in the messianic era, may it begin now, may we enjoy it in the best of health. May anyone seriously looking for a shidduch find a good shidduch right away with no obstacles, and may they have healthy children physically and spiritually and an abundance of parnos. May God reveal the cure to to all illness and heal the world. May everyone be at peace and each other with each other and internally with themselves. May we have the ability to increase in Torah mitzvahs and give joy to God. May the Rebbe and Rebbetzin and their parents be honored by God for all the mitzvahs they inspire us to do. And may we see them again in a physical body very soon so they can continue to lead and inspire us to be the best people we can be. May everyone have the opportunity to do acts of goodness and kindness. May more people have the opportunity to participate in Torah classes, either physically or online via Zoom. And may the host of all these classes be rewarded by God with an abundance of revealed miracles and tremendous material wealth. May Rabbi Jacobson continue his amazing Sunday night program for many healthy years, and may God rain blessings on him, his family, and all his neighbors. And may the author of this blessing see the results in a revealed manner. Nothing would make me happier than seeing my fellow Jews happy and successful. May we always have good news to report. Amen. Very well said. That's why I read it. Thank you so much. And every bracha is valuable, especially if you're a firstborn. The answer is yes, the firstborn will be kahanim. It's a long discussion. What will be with the kahanim? It says the kahanim will be levim. The levim will be kahanim. There'll be many changes, suffice it to say. And with that, I conclude, even though there's so much more that can be said about Chavches Nissen, I think we covered it. And I want to refer you to a bunch of previous episodes. This is going to sound like a lot of numbers, but I did speak about this extensively. Episode 62, 112, 157, 158, 207, 257, 303. It's about Chav Nissen. Then about Mashiach, I spoke about in many episodes. Let me see here. Let me give them to you already. 7, 22, 89, 158, 183, 205. 211, 212, 220, 223, 229, 237, and 238, 251, 258, 267, 285, 290, 293, 295, 300, 302, 304, 308, 311, 316, 319, 334, 340, 347 through 356. And finally, about the identity of Mashiach, 47 and 48, 183, 185, 186, and 321. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm impressed myself, quite extensive, and it's fitting. Mashiach is uh, the central cornerstone of Yiddishkeit. It was the bottom line, marching orders that the Rebbe left us with, that this is our shlichus now. So may we finally merit to do our last, uh, last part, and the, and the Ebrister should already do his part and bring the Gula Amitzvah take it from Yad Mamish before the 28th of Nisan, that we can march into Eir, Ani Hashem Refecha, Varom Yitzchak Yankiv Rochel, that's the acronyms with the Gula Hamitis Vashlema. And with that, let's cover a few more items. One is about Eimer. We're in Sfirusa Eimer. 
How does counting the Omer correct a blemish in a particular sphere? So we know when we count the Sefirah Seymer, so starting from day one, in the Siddur it says, Chesed Shebe Chesed. And then the Hiratsan we say, may the Sefirah of that day be purified from its toxins and experienced only in a beautiful way, in a divine way. In Aveda, this means that we refine each day, seven times seven, 49 emotional attributes from Chesed through Malchus, Chesed Shebe Chesed, Gvur Shebe Chesed, and each day covers that particular Sefirah. So, you say the Brach and you say the prayer, and you say the Sefirah, that already does something. And you allow God will take care of the rest. But obviously, the more work we do, I mentioned before, the more keli we make, the more Aveda we do, the more likely that we'll achieve this. So looking into our own hearts and souls through introspection and soul-searching, each one of these days, we focus on one of those middas. And the middah within the middah. So a person is looking at chesed. Where is my kindness at? Is my kindness encompassing the proper balance of gvura, of teferes, of netzach, heid, yisayid, and malchus? And the same thing with each week and each day. So that's a simple answer. This is why I wrote the book, Spiritual Guide to Counting the Omer. You could also go to my Omer on all app stores, Android and iPhones. And you'll find an app that every day, besides the counting and the blessing, also gives you a meditation and an exercise for each day. You can also subscribe via email to the daily reminder with these exercises. Check it out. Go to meaningfullife.com slash omer and you can find all the details. However, the bottom line is our work on it. So that's the general answer. By looking at yourself and specifically focusing, where do I stand in chesed? Where do I stand in gvura? And we know everything is in the details. The Mitla Rebbe says, hey, his contemplation has to be details. If you just say, I want to be a better person, what does that mean? When you're the detail, oh, my chesed could use a little more refining. Maybe more chesed. Maybe more balanced chesed. Same thing with gvura, discipline. Same thing with compassion. And so on. And that's how you correct. That's how we correct blemishes. And that's how we repair and also improve and make sure that you're that's called your, your emotional muscles are exercised properly, just like physical body needs exercise, and that makes, the, makes it healthier, and you can, you can produce more, and you can function better. The same thing is spiritually and emotionally. When you flex, when you exercise these muscles, you condition them by using them and refining them. That's called bitter hamidis, the refinement of our emotional, our emotional personality. The end of this week is also Shchedesh Ir. So Ir itself we'll talk about in the next week's program. But I want to talk about the Sim HaRambam. So we're coming to the end of a cycle, which is actually a double cycle. The Rebbe, when he established the studying of Rambam every day, he gave three options. One is to learn three chapters every day and conclude approximately once a year. Or to read three cha- one chapter every day and then conclude in three years approximately. Or Sefer HaMitzvahs, which corresponds to the, 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 the chapters. This year, it's the end of a three-year cycle and a one-year cycle. So we'll both conclude, both, everyone, both studying three chapters or one chapter. Of course, Sefer HaMitzvahs will conclude around Rosh time. So as the theme of Ram was coming, I think Rosh for both cycles, I was wondering if you can share your thoughts about how to stay motivated when the Rambam appears to be irrelevant today, such as Tuma, Karbonis, and many other parts that don't seem applicable today. Thank you. Okay, the language I would uh, change. What is the relevance of the laws of the Rambam that are not applicable today? So this is a question in general, Tate, including the Rambam. So everything is applicable. So the question is whether it's Begashmis or Baruchnis. So unless there's a physical temple, or the time of Mashiach will come, and certain things can be done physically. The things that you can do physically, let's say karbonus, offerings. So we either have prayer instead of offerings, or we have the spiritual Aveda building a mishkan. Every law in the, in the Rambam, and the entire in general, and the Rambam included, has personal application. The Rebbe brings from the end of laws of Tmura and Mi'ila from the Rambam, where he talks that everything is Aveda Sashem. You can learn things in Midas Adam. 
in ethical and moral behavior, even from things that are not practical that you can't actually do with the mitzvah today. So that's the work, that's part of it. If you're learning, I know learning three chapters itself can be uh, sometimes challenging. But you want to add one more thing is what is the lesson? So Chassidus talks about the lesson of everything can be found lessons. I'm not going to go through all the things obviously here, but know that, that everything has is nitzchis and teda, and spiritually for sure, in addition to preparing us to know the laws, what Mashiach will come, what to do when all, all these laws will be reinstated, as the Rambam says, Adarab will have the shleimus of all the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs will be complete when Mashiach comes, as the Rambam writes in Hilchas Melochim, that we are going to be learning the next few days. Okay. Now I'll conclude with one question that, that uh, I keep getting questions similar to this. It goes like this. What should we do to feel less helpless in this increasingly polarizing and infuriating political environment? Well, the short answer is stop watching the news and stop reading all this media. That's what the Mishnah says. No one is free except someone who learns Teda. Interestingly, it doesn't say that if you learn Teda, you're free. It says, except if you learn Teda. Why? Because Teda gives you a vision of God's picture of the world and God in general. That's beyond the human machinations and politics of our times. As the Rebbe many times emphasized, what benefit does it have? You need to know everything that's going on in Washington or other places. I understand curiosity Sometimes we need to know it for our work, for other things. But the more you can put your head into the clouds, which means to see God, to see the world from God's point of view, through Teda, the more free you're going to be. It's as simple as that. We may be addicted to the media, we may be addicted to all this voyeurism and all this living vicariously through others, but the only, there's, no, there's no quick fixes. You can't have both. You want to be freed? from all that polarization and all the helplessness, you have to do something about it. Now, if you have ability to do something, you work for the government, you have ability to change something, that's another thing. But most of us don't have that ability. So you have to find the area. So first of all, you have to put your mind and your heart into places that are freeing, that take us to another reality. And then we have to bring that down into our reality. I'm not just saying escaping it to the, escaping to the mountain through t- teaching ourselves and our children what matters there's so many areas we do have control over. How to bring up our children. How to teach ourselves to be more refined. How to get rid of pettiness. Eliminate jealousies. Animosity. Nonsense very often. There's plenty to work on. And things you have total control over. The more you focus on things you don't have control over, of course we're going to feel more hopeless and helpless. Focus on what you can control. And put your mind and your heart and your actions into things that matter. Things that are divine. Things that are a future. Things that are in your responsibility to transform yourself and the world around you into a dirbe a home for the divine. And we're always, we're always, anything that was given to us, we have the ability, the power to do something about it. The more you can eliminate these extra curriculum, things that have nothing to do with us, the better it is. Okay. And what better time as we're coming from Pesach where we free ourselves from Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim v'gvulim, all types of Mitzrayim v'gvulim, including being inundated and overwhelmed and hyper-stimulated by all this the information being streamed to us and focusing on Mola Ares, Deyes Hashem, not just knowledge, Godly knowledge, divine knowledge. As we said in the Haftera and Achan Shapesach, there will no longer be evil and destruction, including psychological and emotional and spiritual toxins that come from all this knowledge that's not divine knowledge. Why? Because the world will be filled with divine knowledge, knowledge of bitl, knowledge that elevates us, that refines us and the world around us. Like the waters that cover the sea. And may we be zeched to that by doing our part and Hashem responding in kind and beyond.
מן המצר קרוסיקו, המצר המצרים, אנוני במרחב קו, full expansiveness, ודגולה אמיתיס ואשלמה. This has been My Life Chassidus Supply, the post-Pesach edition, episode 445. We're here every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. And with that, I bid you with a continuing miraculous and transcendent Chedesh Nissen, marching into the month of Eir, a refinement through Sridha Sa'emer, marching into the Gula Hamitis Vashlema. Be well, all tov. This program is brought to you by My Life, Chassidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at chassidusapply.com slash donate.